Good morning, everyone. For our summer series, we're going to look at how we allow faith to help us overcome fear. Fear causes us to doubt the power of God in our lives. And these last few months, we've had so many things thrown at us that could cause us to fear. There's been loneliness, confusion, resurgence of the realities of discrimination, personal circumstances that have amplified in these unprecedented times. And as the pandemic continues and we're once again released into yet more uncertainty, the fear among those who are vulnerable may even increase. But as Christians, we can have faith over fear because we have a never-changing God. And this series explores what faith looks like in times like these and what we can do to stand firm in the storms. When you say it, it can sound very simple. Come on, people, just have faith. That thing that is threatening to overwhelm you, you just muster up some faith. But the trouble with fear is it's a feeling, it's tangible, and it's got a way of gripping you and trying to hold you in a place where you feel vulnerable, isolated, and alone. And it's in the watches of the night that are the worst. So you're sitting in physical darkness and you feel spiritual darkness creeping in. Your eyes, your mind, your whole body is so fixated on the object of your fear that God feels in that moment to be so far away. We're living in a world right now that's telling us that we're socially distanced, kept separate, not connected, but this is a lie. We may be physically apart, but we are socially, spiritually, emotionally connected both to God and to our church family. We can easily make fear our default position to go to in times of trouble instead of going to God. When my children were growing up, I genuinely believed that if I didn't worry for the worst and hope for the best, then the worst would happen. If my children were late back from something, even if it was only a short time, my mind would jump from they're a bit late directly to they're dead in a ditch with nothing in between. And inevitably, inevitably, I would get a call from them or they'd turn up at the door and the first thing they would say to me is, I'm not dead in a ditch, mum. I'd somehow come to a place where I believed if I didn't worry, then the, something bad would happen. When I became a Christian, this got better. I knew how to press into God in times of trouble, to pray, to seek him, to share with others. I've always tr- struggled with trusting God for my children. And often, even now, my default is worry, is letting my mind run away, letting fear grip before taking captive every thought for the glory of God. I'm going to read the first six verses of Psalm 46 to you now, if you'd like to get your Bibles and follow along. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice 
and the earth melts. Let's just pray. Father God, I come to you today from a place of feeling weary and vulnerable and unworthy before you. And Lord, I thank you that in our weakness, you are made strong. And I pray that you go before me today. I pray that your words touch people. I pray, Lord, that you touch me and speak to us today. Father, fear can be such a big thing in people's lives, particularly in these times where nothing seems to be normal. And Lord, we just thank you that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Bless us, Father. And we pray in your almighty name. Amen. Many of the Psalms start with what is troubling the writer. But the interesting thing about Psalm 46 is it starts with affirming truth. God is our refuge and our strength. Notice it doesn't say God plus friends or God plus people or even God plus our church family. And that's not to say we shouldn't seek support from our church family. I'm so grateful for the help, support and wisdom of those who support our family, especially at the moment. We're going through some stuff just now that as a family threatens to overwhelm us. And it's so easy to focus on the earth giving way, the roaring waters, the mountains falling into the sea. And I'm especially vulnerable in the dead of night. I'm not great at sleeping at the best of times, so it's always the first thing to go. I'm, in a tr I'm troubled. <laughs> I know that because of my tendency to allow fear to overwhelm well me, I can quickly find myself staying in this place. That first verse in Psalm 46 draws us instead to focus on God, not a distant God, but an ever-present God who is, is our refuge and is our strength. And I know this is the place I need to be, the place where I can be conscious of the tangible presence of God. When challenges, fears, troubles come, this is the time to focus our faith. God shows up in times of trouble in ways that we can never imagine and have never seen before. And it's times like this where not just Christians, but many from across the nation and the nations move towards him. In the midst of crisis, we're reminded that he is faithful to the promises that he's made. He is the answer to our fears and our anxieties. He goes on to say that, Therefore, we shall not fear. If God is our real refuge, truly is our strength in times of worry, then the result should be we do not fear. The psalmist then goes on to describe dramatic, frightening, traumatic phenomena that nature displays, demonstrating that even in the worst, when the worst thing imaginable happens, he's your rock, your salvation and your refuge. I don't know about you, but I desire to get better at being in that place when trouble hits, to turning to God as my default instead of allowing fear to take a foothold. And I'm in total awe of some of the amazing people in our church who do just that. In the midst of family tragedies, death and cancers, they press into God. And you need to know that you're a real inspiration to me and to many others in our church family. Verse 4 says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. 
Even when the sea is roaring, even when we're standing in the storms, we can be calmed by the river. Interestingly, there was no great rivers flowing through Jerusalem, where these verses are referring to. The main water supply came from Solom, the pool of peace, that at the time was just outside the walls of Jerusalem. When you look at the spiritual implications of this, we see that God's covenant of grace are those gentle rivers and those streams as God pours out on his people in times of trouble. Not rushing, fast-flowing, but God himself pouring out his spirit on his people in a gentle whisper. You see, our almighty God doesn't need to fight the raging rivers by matching the force. He doesn't need to roar to shout down the demons that threaten to overwhelm us. When Jesus calmed the storm, he didn't rage, he rebuked it. And that's the power of our almighty God, that even the seas obey him. Verse 5 declares, God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. What an amazing, powerful truth. God is within her. God is within you and within every person who professes their love for Jesus. This verse is referring to God's promise to his church for his bride, and that is you and I. God has promised that he will not let you fall. He's promised that his church will survive the world, will survive coronavirus, will survive division, will survive all attempts to undermine, will survive battles for the mind, heart, and the soul as we rest in him. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? A final verse that I want to focus on today is nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. For some, there's a a sense that the nations are in uproar. There's a global pandemic. There's wars and civil unrest in different countries, some of which directly affect the people of our church community. There's the pain and devastation of experiencing witnessing and awakening up to an unfair world that judges people on the color of the skin, where this can affect every aspect of their life. And as we witness with George Floyd, even determine if you live or die. We have much to do as a church and a nation and nations to stand up to this and be a voice for those who are discriminated against. But when you look at the mess we're in, it can threaten to overwhelm. Add this to personal circumstances, mental health, personal struggles, and that sense of uproar of things falling apart rises, and yet he lifts his voice and the earth melts. In the face of rage, God breaks the power of the nations that oppose his plans and his purposes for his world, and more personally, for his people. I love that verse in Jeremiah 29 where it says, For I know the plans I have to you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And this is the hope that we can stand firm in. 
declare over our lives as we take captive each thought for his glory. And as this series unfolds, I'm sure that those who come and share with you each Sunday will equip us better to deal with the stuff of life. And I personally am looking forward to learning from those who share. But I would want to just leave you with three truths this morning. We are not locked down. God's people are not locked down. John 8, 32 tells us, know the truth and the truth will set you free. As we come out of lockdown, we can be in danger of keeping the shackles on through fear. We risk staying in that place despite being released to step back into what used to be our norm or the new norm that God has called us to. It is so important to follow the advice given to keep safe and to keep other people safe. But our motivation for that should not be come from fear. Some of you may have seen that classic film, The Shawshank Redemption. It's set in a maximum security prison in Maine, USA. There's a character called Brooks in it who's a librarian in the prison and also an inmate. He's one of the longest serving inmates of the prison, having been there for 43 years. And he's eventually paroled against his own wishes. But he didn't want to be free. He feared what was out there. And a short time after release, he killed himself. And as Christians, we can be like this. We've been set free. We're free from sin. We're free from condemnation. We're free from fear but we can easily slip back into our old ways and put back on the shackles that held us in that place. We are in a constant battle for our minds. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, for our struggles is not in flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil is not an innovator. He's not a creator. He uses what is already there, the things of the past to trick us, to deceive us. He uses where we've been vulnerable in the past, whether that's to sin, wrong thought patterns, or things that we fear. And he makes us believe that we're still in that place. And it's important to understand where we are vulnerable as Christians and take captive every thought to his glory. I spent a lot of my life believing that I was not good enough, that I didn't deserve love, that I wasn't accepted, that everything else, everyone else was better than me, more together, more worthy, and it affected so much of my life. I felt I had to strive to be the best in all areas of life, but still felt I'd missed the mark. Praise God that I met him and he set me free and he's beginning a journey to change this thinking. But it's so easy to go back there, especially in times of trouble. I love the powerful words of Chris Tomlin's version of Amazing Grace, where it says, my chains have gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. What amazing grace that we as followers of Christ get to live out his plans and purposes for our life. 
The second truth is that we are not socially distanced. We may be physically distanced, but we are not socially distanced. God is close, as close to you as you allow him to be. It's so easy to be deceived by our own feelings. We have all had those times when we're earnestly seeking God and we sense only silence in return. And this can be difficult, especially in times of trouble, in times of heartache and fear. In the book of Job, he spends the first 37 verses crying out to God and apparently receiving no answer. This man loses his family, his wealth, his position in society, his, yell, his health, and yet he cry, as he cries out to God, he seems distant. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. We're too easily led by our feelings and not by God's promises to us in these times. In the times when we don't feel close to God, there are things that we can do to help ourselves. Ask God to examine our hearts, reveal unconfessed sin, repent of where we've messed up and keep short accounts. Recognize God's sovereignty in your life. God is God and he will speak to you in times and ways of his choosing. Accepting God's sovereignty means actively trusting God, recognizing that he's the one in control and trusting in him. God is God in the good times and in the challenging times. And Job 2.10 says, shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? Allow God to speak to you through his word, through worship, through prayer, and through those quiet times with him. Thessalonians 3, verse 3 to 5 says, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing what you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's pers perseverance. The truth is our feelings can be deceiving. If I had to rely on how I felt to know the truth, then it would change on a daily basis. But God doesn't change, so we can be sure of his promises to us. He will not socially distance from us. And the final truth I want to share is we are not impotent. Fear can leave us feeling helpless and impotent. The object of our fear can feel so big, so powerful, so beyond our control and overwhelming that we're left paralyzed by it. We know in our head that God is bigger, that he's powerful, that he has authority over all things. But when our gaze is fixed in the wrong place, our feelings can override what we know to be true. The devil wants you to lose hope and he wants you to start losing faith. He wants to destroy, but he will not prevail because God's love never fails. We're not impotent because we stand firm in what the Bible tells us. We've sung that song that declares, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And this is how we fight our battles, trusting in God's promises by worshipping a God who has conquered sin and darkness and the forces of evil 
by fighting on our knees in prayer, by fixing our eyes firmly on the object of our faith. Because we have a God who's faithful to save. I'm going to ask you to stand now if you're able and we'll respond to what we've heard. Some of you may be standing in the storms right now, facing fear, challenges, obstacles. They feel insurmountable, but we have a great big God. Let's just pray. Dear Lord, you remind us over and over in your word that you're always with us. You tell us not to fear and you draw close draw us close into your presence. You're the only place where we'll find refuge in the, the storms. Lord, you're the only place where we can find peace and strength. So we ask for your words of truth and power to strengthen us, to lift our hearts to you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you know us and that you have plans and purposes for us. And we look to you today our Lord and Saviour, because it's your face we seek. And we thank you, Lord, for your word that says you give us a power to come out of this trial as gold. Thank you that this storm will not last forever, but we're only passing through. Thank you that there's nothing that can take you by surprise. You're, you know our journeys better than we know ourselves. And you will use this time of testing for good. And Lord, I pray for those that are, are not currently experiencing the storms. And I just thank you for that. And I pray that you will build them and strengthen them and equip them, not just to stand firm in you when the storms hit, but to stand with brothers and sisters to give love, support, comfort and wisdom in your almighty name. Amen.